So I signed my name on number 24. Hey, yeah, the judge said, boy, just one more. We're going to throw your ass in the city joint. Looked me in the eye and said, you get my point? I said, yeah, oh yeah. Write me up a 125. Post my face, wanted dead or alive, take my license, all that jive. I can't drive 55. (laughs) Welcome to the Super Nice Club and to our Nice Work Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and this is the Sammy Hagar edition, aka episode number 55, which is why you just got to enjoy my extemporaneous interpretive rendition of Sammy Hagar's Leadfoot classic, I Can't Drive 55. Yeah, if, if you're not a dinosaur, you probably won't have heard it, you know? So hop on to Spotify, check it out. One great thing about moving from California's Bay Area to Los Angeles is that the drivers can drive 55, even 95. Up near Frisco, it's painfully slow. At least they use their turn signals. <laughs> Not so much down here. I'm thinking maybe the G-Wagons don't have signals. Does anybody know? Do, do the Mercedes G-Wagons just not have turn signals? Because I've never, ever seen one working. Anyway, anyway, you know where people drive safe and, and they drive fast and they use their signals and they wave and they're courteous? It's, it's right in between Northern and Southern California. It's Fresno. Truth, Fresno drivers are the best most skillful in the United States, probably the best looking too. It's a setup. You'll get it. You'll laugh later. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Anyway, I'm, I don't even know what I was talking about. The, the podcast, the nice work podcast, right? Episode 55, Hagar edition. Our guest, crazy, NASCAR legend, Michael Bielan. Mike has not only won over 100 NASCAR races, He's also repeated 16 consecutive times since the age of 11 as Southeast Tijuana, Mexico's Division 5 convertible drag race champion, Nitrous Boost Division. Born into a family of racers, his mother was actually the first female engineer to... to, All right, it's all total nonsense. I made it all up. Pretty much everything so far except for the Sammy Hagar lyrics, which are genius. And I can't, I can't make up genius. I don't even know for sure if Michael can drive a car, let alone race for I mean, he probably can. I've just never seen it. I do know, however, that the man can shoot. That's the truth. The man can shoot, and he routinely hunts down the world's best <laughs> analog photographers, which he then features in his magazine, Analog Forever. Yeah, we got there. We got there. Thanks for hanging out till we got there. Yeah, Michael's the publisher of Analog Forever magazine. It's an online and print publisher of contemporary analog photography. Their mission is simple, to provide a global audience of photographers who use analog processes and techniques for their photographic work by giving them a voice via biannual print, photography journal, online features, interviews, monthly online exhibitions, and community calendar. All right. There's a lot of words. It doesn't really sound so simple. Here's the simpler simple to show off rad photos from kick-ass people who have a deep passion for film and dive into that passion every which way, but loose. Okay, we're gonna talk about Michael's passion, this passion for real photography and his crazy passion, and it really is crazy, for print magazines, for being a publisher. And you'll learn, I hope, what kind of person it takes to push all the chips in and invest in themselves because that person can also be you if it isn't already. 
Uh, it can be. It will be. You just have to trust yourself and surround yourself with as many cons as you can. That'll make sense later, probably. Okay? Okay, ready? Turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to nice work with Michael Bielen. Michael Bielen, Analog Forever Magazine. You are here at Nice Work Podcast. Really glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So where's where's there? Where's there? Where's there for you? Where are you at? What part of the world? Fresno, California, which everyone thinks is a bunch of farms, but I think we're the fifth biggest city in California. Uh, common misconception. We're also on a lot of episodes of Cops. So Fresno, is that a different city than Bakersfield? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's shit talking or not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, we're in the Central Valley, about three hours south of San Francisco, four hours north of Los Angeles. And we're where all of everyone who's listening, we are where your food comes from. Uh, so you are the founder, right? Analog mm-hmm. Forever Magazine. Tell me, just just start there. Let's start with, with Analog Forever. Yeah, so uh, Analog Forever is a contemporary publisher of analog film-based photography. Uh, we do online articles. We publish a biannual 150-page journal uh, that features anywhere from Michael Kenna to Judy Dater to artists that you wouldn't know about unless you went to our website or read our magazine, which is why we do it. Um, we do a fresh mix of icons and people who should be icons. Okay, so those who are listening to this right now, just just stop what you're doing. Go to analogforever.com, A-N-A-L-O-G, no U-E, this is not the U-K, analogforever.com. Magazine.com. Wait, what? Yep, analogforevermagazine.com. We like really long, complicated URLs, so we pick oh. that one. Okay, analogforevermagazine, because clearly analogforever.com was taken. That's um, right. Yeah, so while you're listening to this, just so that you can sort of follow along, make this um, an audio-visual extravaganza, and just look at just look, look at look at look at what Michael's doing. All right, can you do that? So keep going. You got the magazine. It's been out for this is your fourth this, year. I'm ter- I'm terrible with math. We started in 2018, uh, so we're going on our third year. Uh, we we're working on edition number four. We've put out three editions previous to this. Yeah, it's it's weird because I I don't know anything about publishing, but I'm a publisher. I decided that I wanted to make a magazine because no one else was doing it, and I just said fuck it, let's roll. And here we are, and that's the story. I know that sounds crazy. No, I think a lot of people do that, and it's it's a really great if succinct lesson, which is you don't always have to be an expert in what you're doing to just go make it happen. And oftentimes, being wildly ignorant about something is helpful because you don't put up so many roadblocks. If you really knew, if you really knew about all the roadblocks about publishing in, in, in the 2000s, you know, it's a dying industry, it's paper, you've got to find printers, printers are shutting down, people don't subscribe like they used to, advertisers are like, what? Man, you, 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 you would get into it, right? You would not get into it uh, <laughs> unless you were wildly stupid. And that's why it's so great. Uh, I think maybe I'm not an arrogant guy, but that's like one of my best qualities. You know, I, 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 I can do that, right? Well, it can't be that hard. And then you start doing it. And sometimes you think it's hard, like those days where you're up all night because, you know, you have a day job like everyone else, like me. And, you know, you spend your weekends 
you know, not hanging out with friends, but doing work, trying to promote artists. And I happen to love that. But I think at the end of the day, it's really not that hard. You just have to have to want to do it. I don't think anything's really that hard if you want to do it. Right. So, when you got started, I'm curious about this. So you've had a passion for photography, clearly that predated your idea to start a magazine about photography, right? You're, you decided, I want to do a magazine, a print magazine, which, as we just stated, is, is a very, it's always been a difficult challenge, and it's a much more difficult challenge now. And not only that, but I want to do one about analog photography, <laughs> about film, you know, not digital, you know, but the thing that people aren't paying attention to anymore. So it's like a, a niche within a niche. Did anybody say, hey, Michael, maybe maybe that's not an awesome idea? You know, because I insulate with my, myself with all the other people that have these ideas and everyone's like, just go for it, dude. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You'll lose money, like whatever, right? Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is we build a community of people who all love what we do. And the hard part is there's not one place where everyone hangs out in our world. I mean, there used to be 20, 30, 40 years ago, we had community dark rooms. We had galleries that were successful and actually selling work. And uh, that happens now, but I heard it's for money laundering. So, okay. Um, <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good to know when I need to, uh, I need to launder money. Jokes aside, um, I just wanted to do something that, was bigger than me, really. I, I had such a passion for it. And I think it really comes down to no one else was doing stuff that would show the things that I was photographing in the way I was doing it. There wasn't a central place for that. So instead of complaining, my buddy Khan said, why don't you just do it and stop complaining? So here I am. Best advice anyone ever told me is uh, put up or shut up. So. Okay. Big props to you, Khan. Did you say Khan? Yep. Khan. All right, Con, if you're listening, you know, Super Nice Club salutes you because it's totally true. It's such a great way to move forward is by, get this, moving forward. <laughs> right? That's the big secret. Um, Just do things. But you were fueled because of your huge passion for photography. Now that you're into it, what, what's a metric for you of success for Analog Forever? Man, that's such a hard question. I, so, so success is, is both financially not losing money mm -hmm. as, as, as a business endeavor is of course successful. But beyond that, I think if we can get, if one artist that we feature in any form or fashion is picked up by a bigger publication, uh, a bigger gallery, anything like that, our job was completed. We don't want to be a stepping stone. We want to be a launching pad. So with that being said, that's happened and it makes you feel awesome. Or, you know, we, we feature people like, uh, like Judy Dater in this upcoming issue that's going to be coming out. She's incredibly famous. And then we have, uh, like one of my favorite artists, Kai Lewis from the UK. Um, she's not on that same level of career artistic success, but to feel like you're in the same category because of what we're doing is like just spreading that love of the passion for the art, because just because she's commercially successful doesn't mean you're not. And I, to us, it's everyone's on the same playing field. We're all on the level. You know what I really liked about what you started your reply with was, you know, what would be successful is if uh, we aren't losing money. You didn't say making money. Yeah. You, said, you know, success would be making money. For you, success is not losing money. But I'll bet you, 
I'll bet you, because I have experience with this, with the Super Nice Club, with this podcast, that you don't consider it losing money. This is money that you're, that you're investing and you're happy to spend on, on your passion. That's absolutely right. Uh, I never think twice. Like uh, we've just sent out our order for this last edition and uh, we're close to selling out. And I don't know if we're going to be able to sell more. I, I think we will. Like I'm pretty confident we will. But I said, I need another 100 copies. Like I don't have enough. Like I want to have stuff on hand for when people discover us. And we've had the best month of existence web-wise ever. We've really? Had like, yeah, we've had like 20,000 hits to our website. In the no last kidding. Day. Fantastic. Now, let's get back to the basics for a second here. Analog. Like the technical difference between analog and digital. Can you explain that? Yeah, so uh, we do. We feature people who use uh, technology or historical processes, or people who have to develop in the dark room or send their stuff out to the lab. It's not because we're pretentious jerks and we hate everyone who uses digital cameras. That's not the case. I think almost all of us own, own one or two, and most of us started there. Um, for me, I wanted to get out from behind the computer. I was mm -hmm. a wedding photographer for a while. I absolutely hate people. That was a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. Um, it, it was fun. It taught me a lot, but uh, I discovered the Impossible Project uh, that same year uh, they came out with film. You had Florian Caps on earlier, twenty uh, twenty, who started that movement, and I sold all my digital gear, uh, mostly out of impulsiveness, not out of some like philosophical decision that I made about what I wanted to do. But I just had fun. It was just fun. Like I, I didn't feel like, like oh, is my Instagram awesome or looking good or I man, I have to shoot raw and go do this on my computer when I get home, and I just. It, it always seemed too scientific for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and with film, the irony behind that is it is all science still. It's just, it's just in camera, not after. And, you know, I, I don't care if people edit their photos before, after, never, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I think what I care about is the output. And with that being said, I just like the way of making that output better. Not necessarily that the works any better. Okay. That's fair. I, and just for to get into that little bit of uh, what did you say scientific on a scientific level analog you know when we get into analog sound it's a it's a continuous signal which represents like a, a real world physical measurement where digital and digital signals are these discrete time signals generated by digital modulation so like um the human voice in air is a continuous signal that's analog the vibrations from a needle on a record Analog, you know, so I think we can all see how paper and film fit this model as well. And then we have digital. So there's also, besides that technical difference, there's a sort of meaningful and to some of us, almost a spiritual difference yeah. you know, be between the two uh, mediums. And obviously, we live in a world that's blended, right? Uh, very blended between digital and, and analog in most of it, you know, at least here in our world, the first world. With all of that said, in your version, in Michael Bielan's version of a nicer world, uh, where does analog, where do analog technologies reside? Are they dominant and digital gets pushed back? Are they just the stuff of artisans and, and the creative world? Kind of where's the balance? I'm not sure I believe in balance. Like I, 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 I think everyone should just do what they want. And in my ideal world, it's everyone has the, the freedom 
to do exactly what they want all the, all the time without my opinion mattering. And with that being said, with all my friends, if everyone had a film camera, that would be my ideal world. And it'd just be like, I guess the difference is like the, to me, the world is like a pendulum and we keep on going back and forth. And as we spend more and more and more time hooked up to the internet and I said I wanted a new bed yesterday and Facebook told me where I can get one this morning. <laughs> the camera doesn't do that. Right. And it's, it's to me, pure and honest. Whenever you get out of there, that's what you're going to get. You can throw it on the computer and manipulate it if you want. It's not going to change what you did that day. Uh, but everything else in the world it seems to be increasingly fake. And I just want something's real, even if it's between the hours of after 5 and before 8 a.m. at work the next day. That's something that you mentioned, the Impossible Project and Doc Florian Caps, who was analog hero number two. You're analog hero number three. Uh, you're still on the podium. Yes. Bronze. And I shot film first before I shot digital, but I kind of got into photography through digital. And then I came back to it when a friend showed up with a Polaroid camera, like with an old SX-70. Like, yeah. What is that folding thing, right? That is the neatest mechanical device. And then I went down for a decade of shooting Polaroid. And, and there was a community, I don't know if you were part of it, called Polanoid. Yeah, yeah. Polanoid.net. And I was early on Polanoid and just met these people all around the world. And we would take our Polaroid cameras, we would critique each other, we would have these competitions. And it was online, digital, reinforcing this very real tactile world of Polaroid photography, which more than other photography, other analog photographies, is it's, it's very tactile. It's instant. You take the picture. It's there. It's a memory. It's, it, it develops in front of you. You can hold it. It's an actual immediate artifact, which is unlike anything else out there. Uh, and that opened me up creatively in so many ways. As a photographer, as a writer, all kinds of things. It opened my eyes to how you can have this online community that, that really pushes for real-world connectivity. I went to Europe. I met with 20 different Polonoiders. We bounced all around, you know, different cities and then did all this mad shooting. It was, it was amazing. I find that I carried that sort of spirit through to every other project since then. Like, how do you connect through online, which is digital. It's the best way that we can connect with large groups of people, but always make sure that you bring it out into the real world. And so this is where I love publishing because you have a website, you have all of your, your stuff, but then you know what? It's a real world artifact, man. It's going to come out. It's going to get delivered into your hands. Now, do you guys have any, does Analog Forever, do you have any sort of photographer meetups? Do you guys get together anywhere? Is there any element of that? Not yet. Okay. Uh, we, we did do a, a really awesome thing last November in San Francisco where we had like a a welcome analog forever party, if you will. Um, and we did that at uh, the gallery photo works. Uh, thanks for all your help. And uh, that was great. And we were beginning to plan a lot of crazy things that were just like when we thought a good idea was to get into publishing, we thought it'd be a good idea to do a festival. Yeah. And uh, of course it's a great idea. So uh, it doesn't cost any money either. It's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, jack that all up, but we are looking forward to doing that. I think, one of the things uh, that I also do that 
in my other life is I, I work with a lot of nonprofits. And what I see a lot is when people are chasing grants, they have what we call mission drift. Mm-hmm. So they start with one thing, they see a grant for 100K, or if they're small or even larger than that in the millions of dollars. And they say, well, even though I founded my nonprofit for this reason, I'm going to go take this money and now do this other good thing. But that was never why I did this to begin with. So what that being said, what I'm worried about is we want to do a couple things really well. And we want to leave the rest to everyone else. And if we can be a platform to share that information, we're happy to. Um, but we don't want a mission drift because that's how you end up doing everything mediocre. That's really interesting. This concept of mission drift. I worked in the nonprofit world for some years, so I get it. And I think that anybody listening get this idea of mission drift where you're passionate about something, but maybe um, it's not quite working, right? Or you don't have the expertise or the funding yet. And you see something that's kind of close to what you're passionate about and it's available to you. So you go take that job instead. And then the next thing you know, you're kind of locked in, right? So that's, that's great for you that you're, that you're staying on track there. Um, if you, that said, if you ever get into events, let's do something. Super nice club. We'll, we'll, we'll do a team up. You know, I have, I'd love that. you know, we've done things. Well, before super nice club, I, I we did um, Polaroid nerd outs, done a few in LA did one in San Francisco where we got like 60 or 70 photographers. We all just met uh, in the park and just ran around the city with real cameras. And even back when we did this in probably 2010, people notice. Oh, you know, there's, a crowd, there's a crowd of people with real cameras. People are like, what's going on? Not I was in Ovidia well, like two years ago, hosted by the Dark Room down south. Uh-huh. And there was like 60, 70 guys going down to the pier with their house of wads and it was so cool, and everyone was turning their heads. You think we would have? We were driving Ferraris, right? Yeah. But people were like, "What is going on?" And it was like they were transported. I don't know. They just saw how pumped up we were. Like you never see that many people smiling at the same time. <laughs> what about the rest of your world? I mean, do you own a typewriter and play cassettes and records and drive a seventies car? I mean, I kind of fit that box myself, and I know yeah, it's yeah. kind of a laughable one because I'm super outmoded and nostalgia driven in a lot of ways, but I don't have a VCR. Um, or are you just really into the print and photo mediums? And that's where your thing is. I think, I think it's both, you know, I think like everybody has struggled with duality, you know, like I, I am, a I work in corporate banking here in Fresno. I've been doing that for a decade. Uh, I'm very success ambitious driven from nine to five, but when I get home, I've typed so many damn emails every day. I write letters to my friends and families and people I don't even know uh, to people like uh, the Polaroid people you probably know. I, we send letters back and forth just to say hi, to give each other inspiration. I don't do it on a typewriter, but um, to me that it just feels like <sighs> mm-hmm. take a deep breath and do something that feels real. And not that everything else I don't, I do is not real, but this just feels more honest. You know, I, I probably would have done a lot better 50 years ago. Uh, with that pace of life. But that being said, I do mostly just do the photography and the pub, uh, publishing. Um, I text message, you know, like everybody else, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Records. Um, and, you know, even if I wanted to get records, I, I think they're all digitally compressed now, anyway. So who cares? Right. The, oh, the, you mean before they hit the vinyl? Yeah. 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 Isn't that, yeah. Well, that's does it matter? You know? Yeah. Exactly. 
I was in Chicago a couple of years ago, and I just walked by this music store, and it only sold cassette tapes oh. of new music, new oh. local bands. <laughs> I mean, they had used cassettes as well, but they had a big wall of new local, mostly rock and hip hop, yeah. and it was busy, and it was super cool. We think of, of most teens and young adults as like sucked into TikTok and swallowed by their phone screens, just like their parents, okay? But there's a good amount of them uh, who are sick of it, who, who, are, who are starving and they get, they want real world interactions. They prefer live music to virtual experiences. You know, they recognize the value of this real human connectivity. Ha- have you noticed this in the upcoming generation? Are they interested in what you're doing at Analog Forever? Or is it just a bunch of old Luddites who subscribe? Oh, man, I was just going to use that word. That's awesome. You know, actually, it's what's so cool is we're even. We're like 20%, like 18 to 25, 20% to 35, 20% above that. It's like our audience is extremely diverse, which is awesome. But I think what's cool about me and then my team is Mm -hmm. that I'm the youngest guy on our team by far. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I came into this thing from like a hipster perspective right like i want to do lo-fi film at punk shows like every kid my age 15 years ago right but these guys have been doing it for so long that they spend quality time in the dark room with people like alan ross who who uh, manages the ansel adams dark room like like extremely different demographics but yes. i love the same thing and i think what i'm finding that's interesting is that the why doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. it's everyone's coming into it because they all, we all have different various reasons and we all just bond over this one thing. So I think what we do well is we don't just show film camera shots with light leaks and we don't mm-hmm. just show black and white limited edition stuff from Michael Kenna. It's a mixture mm-hmm. of both. So we yeah. didn't intentionally do that. It's just kind of how it happened because of what, how diverse my team is. So, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Uh, yeah. We get a lot of young people uh, coming up. Uh, asking how to do this or that or and i like that they are kind of ambitious about it like we get emails right. from the same people over and over and over again and if people have heard anything i've said over the last two years on various things i've talked about is just it's a numbers game just like everything else and if you don't give up you're gonna make it that's it's so simple you just have to keep doing it and if you do you'll you'll win the end. oh that's awesome yeah i had up until probably five years ago i probably had I don't know, 60, 70 Polaroid cameras, you know, most of them working, some of the old ones, you know, uh, and I've given a lot of them away, over half of them away. And they're mostly to young people, like uh, kids or friends or people who just, you know, I saw online, like, hey, I'm looking for this camera, you know, interested in getting into shooting. And I'm like, don't, let me just give you this one, you know, because I, I can only shoot one at a time. I've got more than enough. Here's, you know, and people charge crazy prices oh, for these Polaroid cameras. Like, come on. You know, it's a $5 camera. If I would have known it 10 years ago, man, it would have been better than the stock market. Oh, my God. Yeah, right? Yeah. You load up on $2 cameras and sell them to people for $100. you are like, come on. You know, those little, what are the, the little plastic rainbow Polaroid cameras and stuff? Right. Yeah, the- those are crappy cameras, guys. Yeah. Anyway, outside of publishing, into photography more deeply now. Because we have so much, uh, everybody's a photographer. Everybody has a great, a great camera in their pocket. You know, these cell phones are, uh, they're better cameras than most of our photographic heroes ever had access to. So how's the gallery world right now for photography? Is it, 
are people still interested in it? Is work selling? Do people buy photography or do they just think of it as too ubiquitous? I'm proud to say I have no idea. Okay. I, I, uh, I know I talk to some galleries occasionally, but you know, the main reason why I began down this road was because galleries weren't representing people like me. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I assume so because they're still open and I'm sure, uh, people who appreciate art or have the money to spend are still doing that. I mean, I think that's a, a definite, a good thing, but I, I also think personally, I would rather buy 50 prints from 50 people than one print from one person. Mm -hmm. So with that, with that being said, if you want to get like 200 pictures in your hand at one time, you can pick up our magazine and that's the best way to do so at the same time. Uh, and it's so easy and you get to see so much, like we're curating it, but it's so diverse and mm -hmm. there's something in there for everybody. So you don't got to go to a gallery and get COVID. You can just pick up the magazine. Will USPS a gallery right to your inbox? What about photographers that are out there? Can they submit to Analog Forever? Oh yeah, please do. Like all the okay, time. What's that? What's that? How do you do it? Yeah. So you go to Analog Forever magazine, you click the submit button. We have open call for entries for edition four right now. It's our summer edition coming out in June. We're looking for 10 artists. I don't care if you have an artist statement written. Please, please do one. But I really don't care. You can break any of the rules because that's what we're doing now with the magazine. We're breaking rules. The only thing we ask you to do is please attach your images to the email. <laughs> well, that's helpful. Yeah, it's so helpful. Yeah, you can submit. We're looking for everybody, young, old, new, established, not, don't care. I want to see your photography. Analog photography. Analog photography, film photography, <laughs> uh, lensless photography, cameraless photography, anything that does not have a sensor fits the bill. Okay, so what if I take my uh, uh, Minolta, get a film shot, 35 millimeter, I scan it in, and then I mess with it digitally? Does that count for analog forever? Go for it. Okay, great. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Did, you, uh, did you ever get in a fight in high school? Uh, one, one, one. It was yeah. a fight, and I got my ass kicked. Let's hear about it. <laughs> oh man, uh, I was <laughs> no. I think I, honestly, the last fight I got into, I was in sixth grade, and it was with my neighbor because he wouldn't give me my basketball back, and he was stronger than me, and he kept. And he didn't even punch me; he slapped me. And then, like, I, for whatever reason, I was, like, blinded with rage, and I kept coming af after him, but he just kept on slapping me. And he didn't, it was, like, the, the lamest fight in the entire world. But Did I, you I, get your basketball back? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What the, who's his neighbor? What's his name or her name? Uh, is he, he who must not be named. Oh, okay. Man, do you still follow the NBA? Uh, no, I don't. I do not oh. follow Was either. that it? Did did he slap the, bas the NBA right out of you? That was <laughs> – <laughs> and that's the moment you got into photography. Your path changed. That's right. That's <laughs> right, man. You're having a that was my parallel universe that broke off from this one. And I said, I'm not doing sports anymore. Oh, well, you look all fit and everything. I thought maybe you were still out there shooting at the Y or something. Oh, man. I, dude, I, I used to be so chubby like three years ago. And I realized because I go backpacking because I want to capture all these amazing landscapes with my photography. And I realized it was way cheaper to lose weight than it was to buy more expensive lighter gear. Okay. So that was like my ambition. And then like I went on a hike and I just felt terrible and I loved it, but I, I just felt terrible. So over the three years, you know, I've started from walking a mile and now I run, you know, six, seven, eight miles at a time. And I go backpack, you know, and I, 
I love it. And I highly recommend everybody do that. Because if you like analog, wait till you go into the world without your cell phone. I know it's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> you ran eight miles right before this interview. Is that correct? That's right. And you said, I believe at a 515 pace, correct? <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. No, right around nine minutes. I'm I'm getting up there now in age. So I'm not <laughs> that's great. To that. that's, that's admirable, man. That is admirable. So I'm trying to figure out if, if we've really gotten at the heart of why people like yourself uh, get so passionate about analog photography, just this, this real world element of it that is, it's not better than digital. It's just different and rewarding in a different way. Do you have any moments you can think of when you, you turn somebody else onto it, when a light bulb went off for them? Like any of your friends that all of a sudden got it? I know because like I'm so different from them and they love me anyways, which is why they're my good friends. <laughs> but you know, the one thing that I think is really cool is that when someone knows how passionate you are about something and you actually take the time to share that when they see something and that they don't even care about and they pick up the phone or text you or call you and say, Michael, I found this thing. What do you think? Would you want this? You know that you're sharing your passion accordingly. Oh, yeah. So true. So true. Uh, and I'm sure that happens for people listening. Your friends are looking out for like you're really into this thing and your friends are saying, I found that thing. Like, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to make a wild guess here. But Michael and I get texts and emails a lot from people who are at thrift stores saying, uh, should I buy this Polaroid for you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. so, like all the time. Oh, you know what? Before I forget. Before I forget, I want to give a quick shout out to one of your contributors, Penny Feltz. Yeah, Penny. Uh, Penny Feltz. So if you're looking on your computer still, go to pennyfeltz.com. Penny, like coin, Feltz, F-E-L-T-S.com. Just type it in. Uh, I've loved her work for a long time. I saw that she's a contributor on yes. your web page today. Um, how did Penny come into the Analog Forever fold? Well, um, there's a quick backstory. So before I started this publication, I was running Prime Magazine, which was an even like more specific niche of only instant film. And I put out six, seven issues of that, like from 2014 to 2017. And at that time, I went on Polanoid, which you mentioned earlier, and I didn't know any of these people. And I contacted 10 people and I was like, hey, guys, you have no idea who I am, but I want to put your stuff in a magazine. And they're all like, yeah, sure. And I was like, oh, that, was, that was easy. So that's how I met Penny. And, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and like Bastian Callis, who was like still my number one landscape photographer. I love him. And please go check his workout, B-A-S-T-I-A-N-K-A-L-O-U-S.com. And he's amazing. And that's how, yeah, so that's how I met Penny. And she's just been a friend now for so long. And uh, I was a contributor to the 1212 Project for a while. Um, but like all things, we spread ourselves too thin which is actually why Prime ended because I was all stressed out all the time. I was working that job. I have, a, I have a son doing the magazine and I took a break. And then once again, Khan comes back into the story. I was having a beer with Khan. He said, you seem bored when you're not stressed out. And I said, you're right. So I sent a text message to Michael Kirchhoff and said, hey, you want to start a magazine? Didn't think he'd say yes. He did. Now I'm stuck and we run Analog Forever. So Khan is, is your sort of your spiritual guru. What does Khan do for a living? Uh, but it's con con does computer stuff 
for a living. He's a, a coder, programmer, something with those fancy words in it. Right. So he's the anti-analog guy. Yeah, he's the anti-analog guy for sure. But he knows humans. He knows his friend. This is, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Great to have friends like that. He's my. He's just my best friend, and he's the guy that tells me when I'm full of shit, and when I am full of shit, he tells me to keep going, which is awesome. So here's an extemporaneous, uh, super nice challenge to listeners. Who's your con in your life? Think about that for a second. Who's that person that no bullshit advises you? Sometimes it stings, sometimes it doesn't, but that you can count on. Whoever that person is, whoever came to mind immediately when I asked, holler at that person. Call them, text them, whatever. Tell them you love them. Tell them, you know, for, for, for being that friend and how valuable that is, how invaluable that is. All right. And try to be that someone to someone else. That's that's my uh, that's my super nice challenge. Do you have a super nice challenge that you have that you can issue for anybody listening? We do that. Every guest gets to issue a challenge, uh, something that that can maybe make their their world a little bit nicer. Yeah, it's so easy. All I want you to do, guys, I don't care if it's analog or digital or whatever. I want you to go on your phone. I want you to print out one photo and I want you to put that photo in a letter that you write to anybody in your family. I don't care if they live in the same house as you, but give them something to hold on to. So when you're not there, they can think of you and have something to cherish. That's it. Wow. Um, print a photo, send it to somebody in the mail. You'll need stamps. The, yeah. There are these little um, typically <laughs> rectangular shaped things and uh, you can buy them at the, at the post office. Well, you yes. get them online, I guess. Yeah. You can get bonus points on this challenge if you actually do the return address. Because the USPS does not care what you put there. You can put anything. Or put an inside joke in that return address and make them laugh before they even open it. Okay. And here's an extra bonus points because I've done this a few times and my, my uh, two youngest who live up north enjoy it. You can go get a bottle of water, like a small one. Uh, I don't really endorse buying bottled water, but whatever. Call me a hippie. But for this, you can. Or find one in your neighbor's recycle bin. Put your photo in there. Put your letter inside that plastic water bottle, put the cap on it. You can glue it or not glue it. Tape the address to the outside of that. Boom. It's a message in a bottle. The U.S. Postal Service will deliver it. Just put a buck in postage on it. And it looks cool. It looks really cool. And you can put like twigs in there, random things. Don't put explosives or, you know, anything weird in there. Just, you know, paper products, stickers. You know, you can fill one of those little bottles with all kinds of fun stuff. Whoever receives it, it's their problem on how to get the stuff out of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, use a water bottle for, for a mailer. It's a cool thing. All right. We just tag teamed on that challenge. That was great. I love your challenge. I really do. All right. Michael, do you, do you have a question for me? We wrap these with a question from the guest to the host. You can ask me anything. Yes. What's All like right. your most punk rock moment of your life? Ah, the most punk rock moment of my life. Okay, I'm going to say probably wasn't an individual moment, uh, though there have been individual uh, middle finger bird moments. But um, because I'm going to take punk rock literally, I went to three different high schools. My mom and I moved around a lot. In my third high school, uh, which was in Chico, California, uh, Pleasant Valley High School, where Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, went. Uh, my, my friends and I, we started, this is way back. This is 1989. We started this underground magazine. I told you I was into publishing. I've always been. It's called, it was called Hardcore Magazine. 
And, you know, we stuffed it in the lockers at night. And it was just a takedown on the faculty. And it was all this different stuff. It started uh, a riot on campus. The school tried to expel us. The ACLU had to come to our defense to keep us from getting expelled. I mean, it was this big thing. And I don't have a copy of it. But in the East Bay, California, the punk rock scene there, which, which birthed a lot of bands, or the post-punk rock scene like Green Day, there was a magazine called Maximum Rock and Roll. Uh, MRNR. And Maximum Rock and Roll was this black and white sort of like punk rock gospel. And they ran a little article about what we had done with this, uh, yeah. you know, little punk rock high school. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we pretty much stuck it to the administration fully because they couldn't do anything. I mean, you don't go up against the ACLU, no. right? Looking back at it, it's super juvenile and amateur hour stuff, whatever. But it was definitely um, a series of, of very punk rock moments in my as a senior in high school. That's so tight. I'm, yeah. That's so great. The, the most punk rock thing I've ever done is just windmill kick people in the face. So Always that, yeah. Strangers? Yeah. The, the, I mean, it's not super nice, not endorsing it. Oh, no, it is yeah. super nice. They're in okay. there. Yeah, it's in the pit. It's it's Yeah, that's what they signed oh, up okay. for. Oh, okay. So you're an MMA guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, but only during breakdowns. So. Okay, I get it. I get it. We're following you. Uh, all right, so before this gets too weird, ladies and gents... <laughs> I want to say thank you. Seriously, Michael, thank you. Analogforevermagazine.com. Michael Bielan, check him out. In the show notes, pennyfelts.com. I don't want to forget, Penny Feltz's work is awesome. Penny's just cool. Michael's own website, don't shake it like a Polaroid.com. Michael, oh. throw it out there. We look forward to, to what you're up to. Look forward to the next edition. Look forward to doing something with you with Super Nice Club. And uh, thanks for sharing your passion. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Todd. So there you have it, a super nice conversation with the super nice Michael Bielan. I hope you got a lot out of it regarding if you're into photography, you know, if you're into publishing. And if you're not, I still hope you got a lot out of just what this man is doing. He's working his ass off during the day at his day job, comes home at night, weekends, pours what's left into his passion. Does always reserve, even though it may not always feel like it, to the people around him, but reserves time for family, friends, and loved ones. And that's that's such a challenge. It's such a challenge when we are trying to do our passion project on top of our pay the bills project, pay the rent project, because it's going to require that the people in our lives understand that to be happy, to feel balanced, we're going to have to sometimes look a little unhappy and look a little unbalanced because we are just doing so many things at once. But on the inside, we're feeling pretty satisfied. We really are. We're feeling like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. And, and that requires people around us who get that, who, who, who share that, who also feel that, and, and, and who give us the grace and latitude to explore what it's like to overclock our processors you know, regularly because that's just how we're wired. Does that make sense? You follow me at all on that? I hope so. I'm just I'm just spitting out my personal experience and, and feeling like maybe Michael can feel that a bit too and uh, hopefully a few others. Anyway, so thanks for joining us on this podcast. If you have any interest in uh, this podcast, give it a review, share it with some people. And uh, if you want to learn more about Super Nice Club, superniceclub.com. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we have like 
text insiders where we give away stuff, gave away some hoodies today. You can find all that through our Instagram bio. I'm not going to just prattle on here because I'm done talking. Next week, we have Tim Ferriss on the show uh, talking about what you can do in 30 seconds or less to improve your dynamic um, presence and profitability in a post um, materialistic age of wanton consumerism that looks like it's trying to be post materialistic. Uh, so Tim will be talking about that, a lot of meditation, a lot of micro things and uh, a lot of apps that'll, that'll help you with all that. A lot of apps, uh, micro apps, micro apping. Uh, Tim's, Tim's going to be talking about his next book, micro apping your way to, um, independent, uh, strategies for success. Um, no, wait, no, 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 no. That's no, we have Christina Wilson, naturalist from Florida, who's just really cool talking about what it's like to be a naturalist, uh, and entomologist in Florida where it's always beautiful. So that's coming up. All right. Until then, stay nice, everyone. If you wanted to be nicer, then you could lend a helping hand If you wanted to be nicer, then you could see your neighbor's band Then you could put away your clothes If you wanted to be nicer You can teach everything you know And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice That you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more nice And all we ask is that you just become 10% more So what? Big deal.